What's up, everybody? Thank you once again for tuning in to Good Deeds Grow. My next guest is a former MMA fighter, Ivy League football player, who wanted to support his friends with traumatic brain injuries and CTE. But when he presented with a scan of his own gray matter, his life changed forever. After years of lying to himself and insisting he felt fine, Mark had to face the fact that his time on the field and in the cage had caused potential irreparable damage inside his skull. You athletes won't want to miss this one. Getting hit in the head is just not part of the game. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank... Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get up, get with to make your podcast top 100. The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. CBD and cannabis, yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown. By giving you all the facts. The good don't grow. We bring the unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. How welcome you to the show. The good don't grow. Everybody, welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host Gary Roberts, and I'm excited to have Mark Tumius on my show. He's a mixed MMA artist, an author, and he's tr- basically almost traveled 24 states. Inter- went to about 120 gyms, interviewed over 400 athletes and coaches. And like a lot of you know, uh, our podcast is basically about cannabis and plant-based medicine. And Mark's really wrote in a book, which we'll get back to get to a little bit later. And his story on how he investigated that book is what we really want to get into. But Mark, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started writing all the books that you're writing now and and how everything started. Awesome. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Really looking forward to this. This is awesome. Um, I was born and raised in California, outside of LA. Uh, I didn't really appreciate writing until after I graduated from college. So I played college football. I always had dark thoughts. Uh, I never could understand them. People would always trip out of me. I listened to heavy metal, um, watched a lot of horror movies, scary movies, action movies. Maybe that's where it came from. Uh, But then I I discovered writing. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was able to get, you know, these bad dreams I had or visions or whatever else. I was able to get them onto paper. And that's where lots of my dark writing came into, like my my horror and my dystopian stuff and even my suspense. was that so? I was doing that while I was trying to fight. Uh, then also while I was working at one, I was an I was an unsuccessful MMA fighter. Um, I had a losing record. I wasn't any good. Um, that's one reason why I went around the country to interview all these fighters to try to understand like why did I ever do it? You know, I wasn't making money. I was getting hurt. Um, you know, I would probably lose more money than I made because you'd have to take off work. Um, so, you know, and then also the same thing happened when I tried professional boxing. I went into professional boxing with zero amateur experience, maybe 10 rounds of like soft sparring uh, before I had my first pro fight. And then I moved to Vegas and that's where I took a lot of punishment. Um, you know, really got my brain scrambled by, you know, pros that were like 17 and 0. That's who I was sparring against. Um, so that did a number, but I got through all that. Then I just went into, uh, I was just working. And just working on my writing. Uh, fortunately, when my daughter was born, I was able to become a stay-at-home dad. 
And then I was able to focus more on my writing. Uh, and so that's, that really helped a lot. Um, but really, the only reason I wrote Unlocking the Cage, well, first, I almost didn't write it because I was like, oh, I'm a terrible fighter. Who am I to write this book about MMA if I wasn't a good fighter? You know, I felt like I, and I had never done an interview before that either. I was an introvert. I didn't like even leaving the house. And so for me to go around the country and interview all these people, you know, it was a, definitely a step outside my comfort zone. Um, but it was an amazing experience. It got me back into martial arts. Uh, I be, got really into jujitsu. I started my jujitsu career all over, started training with Eddie Bravo at, um, 10th planet headquarters in LA. Uh, and, uh, we opened up our own gym, a uh, 10th planet we helped open got my whole family into it. So overall incredible experience. Um, I swore I would never write nonfiction again because it took so much time. Uh, it delayed so many of my projects. I have so many fiction, you know, works in my head that I want to get done. So I was like, I'll never do uh, nonfiction again. But then my buddy, when my friend who would go with me to these different sparring sessions, when I was uh, at 42, I was looking to take another fight. I was that I was getting that into MMA and he warned me. He's like, Hey man, he's like, you should really look into traumatic brain injuries because you know, these guys are beating the hell out of you and you're half their age and they're incredible athletes. And, Sure, you're tough and you can take it, but it might be causing damage. And at the time, I didn't want to hear it, um, but it was true. And so that's what started the whole TBI book and the thought of whether or not I should even, you know, look at it. Right, right. Excuse me. And here's the thing. As a firefighter, one of the biggest things I wanted to try to bring to light was basically the different remedies we have basically to help us with uh, PTSD, depression, anxiety, because of the stuff we see and everything else. So it read to... It led to Good Dudes Grow podcast, which is basically about cannabis and how I use basically CBD to help myself sleep better, feel better, and everything else. But that path led me to a little bit, how does it affect in sports, cannabis and sports and all that. And that path led me to CTE, uh, TBI, and I started realizing that psychedelic medication kind of like how they're using psilocybin, magic mushrooms, and stuff like that, is actually coming out through the FDA and is actually benefiting several, several, several athletes with traumatic brain injuries. So I started researching people who found different remedies, people who actually didn't know, like you, like most firefighters, they have, we have no idea with PTSD. There are signs and symptoms that come up that we just live with. But you, during your research for the, your, your book, you found out that, hey, I, it can't be me. And you kind of slowly started noticing your own symptoms coming up, correct? And then you just said, maybe I'll reach out and just see exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what happened. So I, I decided I would look at it because because I was posting a little bit about brain damage on social media. And then I had friends that played uh, that I played football with at Brown University. And they were reaching out to me, you know, sending me private messages saying, hey, man, I'm in a brain study. Hey, my brain is screwed. I'm at the end of my rope. And these were from about three different linemen that I played with that didn't go on to abuse their brain like I did. So I was like, man, I was like, if they have brain issues now, like, how could I not? But um, so I decided I would start looking at it. But again, I thought I was fine because, you know, when you're just going through your day, you're, you're normal. Like you, you're fine. You're, you're getting through it. That's just how life is. That's how it seems like it must be. Um but then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to check out. The first step I did was look at hormone regulation through Dr. Mark Gordon. I found him on Joe Rogan podcast. I was impressed by it. I honestly did not think I needed it. But I was like, I talked to my wife. I was like, well, let's just do it. And because this whole time she's telling me too, I'm completely fine. I don't have 
TBIs, you know, whatever, I'm fine. Um, and we get back my blood work and my hormones are a mess. And it's, you know, it, it looks like they, they said, yeah, it, you definitely have had TBIs. Um, and so we started a protocol, most of it just over the counter. The only thing that was prescription was uh, Clomid, which is like a natural testosterone booster. If you're already producing testosterone, um, and two weeks into it, I was in the backyard man, and I just started crying and, uh, and it was early because my, my normal routine at that point was going in, as soon as I would drop the kids off at school, I would have to go into the backyard and get high. So this is like eight o'clock in the morning. I'm getting high from eight o'clock until, you know, whenever. And I was, I was productive. Um, but that was just what I had to do to, to get through. But that morning, um, it was before everything. I just started crying because it wasn't that, uh, I had any pain or I was thinking about anything. It was this, I didn't have the depression. I didn't have this anxiety. I didn't have this rage. Like everything had been reduced so much that I realized that it wasn't there. I was like, wow. I was like, my normal had not been normal at all. Like that was the first sign. And that was just the very start of, you know, two weeks into the, the new protocol. And so it continued in my, when, as my levels got better, the better I felt. Um, and so that was pretty amazing. But then I went on to realize, okay, that's only one thing. Um, I, I, another thing that I did was I went to NUCA, which is National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association, where they only work on the top two vertebrae, um, the axis and the atlas. Mine was really off. Again, I didn't think I needed it, but my cousin, my nephew had just gone. He had great results. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll see if there's anything there. And I had a huge, um, it was, it was really off what you would expect from concussions, you know, severe concussions. And so that's interrupting the blood flow. Like if your blood flow, if you're only getting, let's say 95% or whatever it might be, like that's not ideal. Uh, with that one, it was a little bit hard to tell how much it affected me. Uh, because I was also, I, that's also when I started doing neurofeedback at the same time. Um, the nice thing with the neurofeedback was everything was tested. I was able to see my, what my brain looked like. I was able to see my IVA2 scores, um, and these, uh, other cognitive testing scores and seeing how much they improve. So I was doing the NUCA and the neurofeedback at the same time. And the results were pretty amazing and is, uh, you know, it, it was very hard to see the brain damage. It, you know, I was looking at on the brain map, um, if it's green, that looks healthy. You know, if it's red, you're overactive. Uh, if you're blue, you're underactive, it's uh, underfunctioning. My whole frontal lobe was like severely, like very dark blue. Uh, so severely underfunctioning frontal lobe. So, you know, the things that were bothering me that I thought, I was getting upset at myself for what I thought was mental weakness. You know, I was having uh, impulse control you know, like rage issues, um, you know, just different, different things like that. And then the anxiety and the depression, all these other things. Um, so seeing the damage was a little bit depressing. It was a little bit hard to deal with, but seeing it go away, you know, when I had my next brain scan, you know, it is now light blue. And then the, the one after that, you know, even a little bit lighter and a little bit green in areas. So, and then my, my scores were improving so much, like my IBA2 when I started my auditory, um, my ability to, let's say we have this conversation, I'm really trying to pay attention to you. I'm listening to you. Maybe I don't remember very much of it at all. You know, I, I, I don't really get it. I don't grasp it. Um, so I was like at the 40 percentile, I believe, uh, for men my age. And then by the end of this, you know, it was all the way to where it should be up at the top. Um, so it was amazing to see. And one thing I'm really grateful for is I did a brain journal this whole time. 
And so um, I was able to look at how I used to be. Because if I tried writing the book now, I wouldn't be able to because I couldn't remember how bad it was. I Like looking at my notes, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that's what my day looked like. My day was like me getting high and trying not to be angry and, you know, all these things just to get through it. Um, and so, yeah, now that's why I'm at a place where I'm excited about sharing this book. Uh, when I wrote it, I thought I was writing it for, you know, football players and uh, MMA fighters. That's what, in my head, that was traumatic injuries. It wasn't about, um, you know, the two point two and a half million people or whatever that get a traumatic brain injury every year or all the people that have forgotten about it. I think they say there's like maybe 80 million people is an estimate of how many people are walking around with TBIs, like the symptoms from them, uh, not even realizing it. And just how much it can help any individual. Like you don't have to have a traumatic brain injury to be dealing with anxiety or depression or these other things. Um, in fact, I just had an awesome conversation with my friend yesterday who's a firefighter. Uh, we've had some pretty intense conversations about mental health with firefighters, first responders. Um, it's not something that I had ever thought about with firefighters. I think with police officers, I had thought about it. But he was telling me like just the other day, you know, he uh, had to respond to a motorcycle accident and he's holding this kid's head and the kid's bleeding from his mouth and he has to perform on him and the kid dies in his hands. And then, you know, and that's at the start of the shift. And then he has to go through the rest of the shift. And he's like, you know, we just we just bury it. You know, you just no one wants to show any sign of weakness. Uh, you know, you got to be a man. It's part of the job. Um, and I was telling him, I was like, man, I said, if any, any of your firefighters want a free copy of my book, like, uh, so I'm offering it to the, I'm going to set it up with him. So where any of the firefighters out here can get hold of it, I want to do that for others because, or just first responders. Cause I think it is important not only to, my, my goal with the book is to help people become aware of themselves. Uh, you know, I think we just say, no, we're fine. You know, we're fine. Like if I have an anger issue, that's just how I am. If I have, if I have a little bit of depression, well, that's just how life is. You know, life's not easy, you know, just brush it off. So I want to get people to actually look at themselves, compare themselves to these different symptoms and then realize, you know what, we can change this. Um, when I went into it, I was thinking uh, that old mentality that, you know, our brain is hardwired. If, if we're going to, if we start going on the slide, man, that's just it. Like you hit your forties and then it's just downward slide and it's just going to be awful. And that's just, that's Western medicine. It like accepts that in a way. But now, you know, the first books I, were, I was reading were about brain plasticity and just how you can rewire stuff. Um, you know, and another important thing I left out too, part of this was also going to therapy. Uh, therapy was an important part of this because let's say I had just rehabbed, you know, my brain, the physical part, you know, with the neurofeedback and the hormone regulation. If I hadn't done the emotional part of it, then I would still revert back to those old patterns. I would still revert back to if I get, you know, someone cuts me off, I'm going to go back to being defensive. You know, I'm going to go back to rage. Like, even though my brain's okay with it, you know, those patterns have been developed. I need to overwrite those. Um, so, yeah. So, is but yeah, that's why I'm excited, man. I, I, I want to, I want to, uh, if I could help anyone just like a little thing, I was like, then for me, that's awesome. And so I, I'm super excited about it. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show because, like you said, with firefighters, it's the same thing. We have that type A personality. We don't want help. We don't. We don't need help. It's part of the job. You know, you, you see the death of a child or you see things mangled. And when I go on podcasts, I explain to them that firefighters basically we will like right now. Currently, there's maybe a hundred. Uh, last year, there was a hundred in the line, line of duty deaths. 
Well, what the fire department does is they'll actually take all these tests, spend billions of dollars, figure out what went wrong. And next thing you know, they'll create these training schedules and then they'll send them out to the fire departments and then we read them so that we don't, don't happen again. But yet there's over 300 suicides in the fire department that nobody's really studying that nobody's really seeing why. And one of the main reasons why is because we don't think that like, like you said, we have traumatic brain injuries. We don't think that the little things we see are actually good or not. We don't see any of that. And the biggest problem with all that is basically we do. And re reaching out for help is really, really tough for us. And what you just said before, when you said basically, you may or may not know you have it, but why not just go try this therapy and see where you are for itself? And that's what opened my mind. I was saying, I got to get this guy to show up because listen, we're talking about a fighter. You know, he, he, like you said, he may not have been the best of fighters, but you're no, you're no, you know, you're no slouch. You're, you can take a punch, but then you decided to investigate this for athletes and all that and figure out, hey, maybe I should try some of this. And now you've created this whole environment like, oh, I was having these issues. I feel so much better. And that's what I wanted to do with firefighters. That's why I created this podcast. It's the same thing with psychedelics that I found uh, on our show. Like you said, it's not just the medication that's going to help them, not the psychedelics or plant-based medication that's going to help them. It's also the psychotherapy, the talking about it, the, the recreating those events or talking about those events that actually help the therapy and, and, and it itself. So, let me ask you this. What is the biggest concern you see right now that you've done the research with, with traumatic brain injuries in, in sports and other things? What, what concerns you the most? Um, I would say the biggest thing, the, the hardest thing to do for me to see is um, kids having contact early, like before 14. Um, the Concussion Legacy Foundation just put out a really good video with Brett Favre where he's saying, look, Kids should not be playing football before 14. Every We have enough science now. Like every year uh, before that increases your odds of CTE and long-term brain damage. So, um, you know, and I read uh, the book Head Games uh, that was written by the co-founder, uh, Dr. Chris Nowinski of, uh, the, of the CLF. And, you know, he had a good point. And there's like, look, he's like, you know, we, we, we've been told that uh, tackle football is okay for kids and there's, you know, different people think different things like, oh, well, they don't hit as hard or they don't move as fast as like, no, it's like, it, it, it is, it is traumatic. It causes traumatic brain injuries. And if kids don't have the right to drink alcohol or to do these other things, if they can't give consent to these other things that we know are harmful to them, why are we allowing them to harm themselves? You know, and it could be really bad, a lot of harm. So, uh, I, I would say that's probably one of my biggest concerns. You know, if my son wants to play tackle football, I would say you, you're not going to play tackle until high school, even if it's a disadvantage, you know, and maybe you're not going to be the best player because you haven't had as many, as much practice tackling or whatever else. Um, but I would say that's, that's, that's my biggest concern with it. Um, you know, as far as it being caused and then when people do have injuries, I think coaches have gotten a lot better at looking, you know, at concussion, uh, the, the concussion protocols and stuff like that. But a lot of it is it, it takes an athlete to, to admit that they've had a concussion. Lots of, lots of times, you know, I wouldn't say anything to a coach. You don't want to admit. Again, it's a sign of weakness. And not only that, but someone else might take your position. If you have to sit out for two weeks or if you can't fight again for three months, then you're going to keep your mouth shut because – Whatever. And, and because you can't see the injury, 
it, it makes it really tough. You know, if your arm is broken, that's one thing. You can see it. You obviously, you know, coach isn't going to let you play, but they can't see if your brain is bleeding. You know, they can't see, I mean, unless they're doing this, you know, the testing and stuff. So, right. um, so that's probably one of the biggest concerns. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So basically you've gone from being uh, reactive, kind of proactive and trying to figure out a way to prevent this type of thing by educating everybody on, we have these availability of these different therapies, the different products, the different things. Let's just make sure that A, we can make sure this doesn't happen to our use so that we don't create a larger issue as we get forward. Is that correct? Exactly. Cool, cool. And I have, I have a, I'm gonna say not a bad, funny question, but, before, like you said, you were angry, you had this dark sense of humor. Now you went through it as therapy. You said your brain's working a little better. Does your creativity, has that changed at all when you were writing those books, with the books? No, I'm still able to go into there, but that is one place where cannabis, I use it. And I've always did, I, I, I have a weird relationship with cannabis. I've been smoking since I was 15, always for writing, uh, definitely a lot more when I was, when I was fighting and having football. So I think a lot of it was to deal with, you know, all my concussions. Um, but it, it definitely helps me with creativity and just to focus. So like, even if I had like a super bad day, you know, once I smoke and have some caffeine, then I'm able to zoom in on whatever, you know, I can focus. It opens up my mind and I'm able to get right to it. Um, but yeah, I, I've, <laughs> all my stuff is still really dark right now. I'm working on, uh, I have a series called Try Not to Die. And in that series, it's kind of like the old choose your own adventures, but in this one, there's only one correct path and every wrong choice you die. And like, so we're working on trying not to die in the old West. And I had to come up with 10 more death scenes. And so I'm looking up ways to die. I'm thinking of all these terrible ways. And I was, I was explaining to my wife, I was like, not only do I have to think about this dying, but because it's written in first person, I have to really try to experience it as much as I can. I was like, okay, what would it feel like to bite my tongue off and choke on it? You know, and, and kind of drink, drown on the blood too. And, uh, or, or different things, um, you know, so really trying to uh, go to those dark places, those scary moments. Um, so fortunately it hasn't stopped that, uh, but it definitely has helped with anger and all these things that were out of my control. And, and with the neural feedback, one nice thing, I haven't done it yet, but because my brain is in a good place, like if I want to, I could go work on my creativity. Like I could have them boost uh, those brain waves. Um, it might it might affect some other things if I amp that up too much. But it's kind of cool, like pretty sci-fi to be able to like, no, oh, maybe we should go and amp that up a little bit. So <laughs> that's funny. Let me ask you this. Why or how did you come up with the idea of just creating dark fiction novels or, or stuff like that? It's a was it something that you always thought about or did it just like come um, to you and like, Hey, this is pretty cool. I'm going to write this stuff. I think it, I think I always had a lot of ideas. I think as a kid I did, but I probably didn't, I don't think I ever thought I had the ability. I always had really low self-esteem. always hated myself. I was very suicidal. I was, uh, for the majority of my life, I was suicidal. Um, you know, so I just didn't, I don't know. I don't think I was, thought I was even capable of producing something. And, you know, the thought of being an author, like, well, that's something Stephen King does or, or you know, someone else, someone else high up on a pedestal. Um, so I didn't think it was an option, but it wasn't until after college, I was flying across the country uh, to see my girlfriend and I just got an idea for a book. And like, it just 
consumed me and I really enjoyed it, uh, writing. It was terrible and I threw it away, but that's what started the process. And then I started enjoying writing short stories. Um, I started selling them. So I, I realized that, so that kind of helped my confidence. And then I was just writing whatever came to me. And now like that's, I, and I write about it in the book, like that's one of my therapies. Writing is a therapy, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, directed writing, uh, you know, whatever it is, like that is what helps me deal with, you know, whether it's the fear of death, whether it's, you know, dealing with whatever emotions I have going on, that's where that writing comes in. And just something I, I just have, it, it makes me feel like a little kid again. Like I just, I just love coming up with something brand new and to be able to do it with other people, like that's a lot of fun. So I have, I think I have about 20 different uh, co-authors right now that I'm working with on different books in the Try Not to Die series. And so that, that's, a, that's a lot of fun. That's, speaking of fun, uh, you also have a, a very interesting, uh, I think it's a YouTube channel podcast because I'm, I'm one of those you know, heavy metal guys when I was young too. I used to do some freestyle skiing up in Canada and you know, little Guns N' Roses, ACDC was always my thing, that my, my jam to actually get down those hills. You have a podcast that you actually what do you do with it? To be honest, <laughs> I, I I looked at it and I know it's about heavy metal, but explain exactly what it is. Well, I yeah, so I have uh, vicious whispers with Mark Tullius. At the end of every episode, I have a short one of my short stories um, or a chapter from one of my books, and so that's like the big draw. And then the rest of it is either me talking or me having a guest on. Uh, sometimes it's about heavy metal. Uh, I did a whole month where I was putting out a video every day about a heavy metal band that really impacted me. I think I did 30. Yes. Yeah, so I think I did 31 heavy metal videos, um, about these different bands. So yeah, heavy metal has definitely been, uh, it's been a big influence on me. I think I'm for sure on my writing. I think I think lots of my storytelling probably sparked from there as well. Like uh, I remember being super young and getting into Iron Maiden and reading all their song lyrics and just, I loved how they were creating these stories and um, this different imagery. So I, I think I really love just what they did with words and probably I'm sure any other form of music has that same, I could have got it from that. But again, I was angry. I was uh, aggressive and so that kind of added to it. Now I actually have to be careful with what I listen to, uh, and especially what I'm writing, uh, because yeah, if I, I, I don't, I can't listen to the really aggressive, really fast music, you know, loud that much anymore, because it'll put me in a state where I was like, uh, eh, this isn't ideal for me. Like this isn't where I need to be. Like now I'm more back to fighting, and and the same goes for if I'm watching MMA. You know, like it, it gets me. I enjoy it. But part of me doesn't like the damage, and then the other part of me is like, okay, I, I'm getting angry again. I'm getting, I'm getting these old emotions from fighting, uh, and so I just have to be careful of, uh, you know. I think that's something important for everyone. Like, just be aware of what you're bringing in, what you're watching. If it's negative news, if it's, you know, if it's a lot of fear, if it's really graphic stuff, like however it is, whatever it is, how does it affect you? If it makes you happier, then maybe do more of it. If it, if it's causing something that you don't care for, then, you know, maybe, maybe back off for a bit. Right. Now, since you've been really active in the MMA field and stuff like that, have you reached out to some MMA fighters and talked about the TBI and the, C the, uh, the CTE? And have you gotten some good response from them or how, how does that go about? That is a tough one because, um, I, I've, I have so many good friends, but the ones that are still fighting, I'm not talking to them about it. Um, I think, 
in a couple of my interviews, I, I this conversation came up a little bit. That's because I was trying to look at these guys that had a lot of fights and, and, you know, as a layman, just seeing whether or not I could see damage, you know, and if they were already starting to slur their words. And there were some like that. Overall, most guys seemed intelligent. Um, but one of the problems that, that could be really deceiving is lots of these problems with the brain don't develop until like five to 10 years after the damage has been done. You know, so they're not going to realize it until they're in their 40s. And then they probably won't even know why they're starting to feel this way. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a lot of conversations with uh, that. I An MMA doctor, a really good friend of mine, Dr. Mike Simpson, he just left an amazing blurb for the book saying, you know, it's made him really kind of rethink stuff. Um, Sam Sheridan, who wrote uh, The Fighter's Heart and The Fighter's Mind, just he gave it an incredible blurb. Um, but the actual conversations with the with the fighters, I just have not had yet. Um, in fact, I'm I'm actually going to write to uh, Joe Lozon. I want to I want to send him a copy and see what he thinks because he's been in a lot of fights and his fights have been brutal where he's taken a lot of damage. Um, and different and also uh, Baba Lou, uh, who lives by me and I've trained with and who's beat the hell out of me before. Uh, I also did yoga with him to to make it all better. Um, but I, I know he suffers from, uh, he's dealing with some brain stuff. So I, I do want to go and talk with him because another part of the book, not only is it, you know, the things that I mentioned as far as my treatments, those cost money. You know, the the neurofeedback costs money, NUCA costs money, um, the hormone regulation costs money, therapy costs money. But then the second half of the book is like, okay, what can we do to deal with these symptoms? You know, what what can we do to like coping mechanisms? How important that is? Because let's say let's say we can't afford to you know completely rehab our brain. Well, we can still do you know the cold water therapy to uh, to help, and we can do we can exercise. You know, how important that is. We can get our sleep corrected, which is huge. Uh, you know, our diet, how important that is. So um, our work on a breathe, get a breathing routine and meditation and all these different things and cannabis and CBD, uh, psychedelics. I don't have a chapter on psychedelics. I was going to, but I realized I only wanted to do them because I wanted to get high and experience them because why you should be able to. Um, but so that's the other part of it is like, okay, so not only do we have to try to, and even if we can afford these things and we do rehab our brain, we still need to do these coping mechanisms to improve our life and to improve our mental well-being. Because I don't want to be, let's say, you know, here's where I could be if my brain was working 100%. I don't want to be lower. I don't want to be at 70% and just be like, okay with that. It's like, no, I want to be, I want to have the best day possible. You know, I want to be as positive as I can. I want to be a positive influence on my kids. I want to be a positive husband. I want to even even just walk around the neighborhood and saying hi. Like, I want to be, have a good day and have a good effect on others. And if I'm not where I need to be, you know, then, uh, yeah, there's, and there's no excuse for it because I do know what, what I need to do in order to be in a better place. Right, right. And then that's one of the big things we discovered when we started going through the uh, building this podcast and started finding out what we can do for firefighters and, and, and opiate addiction. We found that it's a very mind, body, soul aspect of it. If your mind, you can work on your mind, but if your body feels like crap, sooner or later the mind's going to catch up. You know, the, the old saying, I'm a CrossFitter, the old saying basically is two things going to happen either your mind going to give up or your body going to give up. But if you can get both in line with each other, chances are you're going to feel 100% better and you're not going to have that, those kind of relapses and go backwards and want to go back. So that's one of the things we, we started creating in, in our new recovery facilities that we're looking at, at building. But Mark, I appreciate you coming on the show. It was, it was fabulous talking to you. 
if people wanted to buy the book or wanted to see see your podcast, listen to your podcast, or learn more about you, where would they go? Uh, everything is on Amazon, um, or they can go to my website, marktulius.com. That has links to my podcast. Uh, the podcast is Vicious Whispers. That is on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you can find it. And if there are any first responders that want to check out the book, a free copy, they can simply email me, mark at marktulius, right down where you heard this. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to get free copies because uh, I do want to, I do want to help spread this word and you know spread hope and awareness and like okay, you can you can improve and and honestly, it is a sign of strength to ask for help. You know, I think that's super important. Like I have, I have the utmost respect for anyone that is willing to say, yeah, you know what, uh, I, I could use some help. Exactly. And, and part of the biggest thing is opening the conversation. That's the biggest thing that I see you're trying to do with your book, what I'm trying to do with my podcast. If we can get those conversations in places where people don't want to have them, it, we'll all be a lot better off. Mark, I appreciate having you on the show. It was fabulous talking to you. We'll definitely keep in touch. And I'll tell some firefighters about your book, and hopefully they'll reach out to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Mark. You have a great day. You too. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll have some links for you. So if you're interested in starting your podcast yourself, one of the best places to go is Podcast Powertrain. Right now, they're doing an an amazing offer for all their course material. If you want to actually help get your uh, show ranked, all you got to do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there. Also, if you're looking for a platform, not sure which platform to use to record your show on Riverside FM is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash Riverside check them out and you will not be disappointed again thank you for listening to the show and we will see you well we'll see you but we'll get with you next week you guys have a great week if you're still listening to this that means you gained some type of value so what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of the good dudes grow